My name is Nick Wagner Sr. And I am the creator of the Full Potential Podcast. Episode three of the Full Potential Podcast. And I'm excited to be interviewing Brianna Silver, who, according to her LinkedIn, is a leader in business innovation, a board member, a design educator, and a thought leader. And I'm really excited to have the opportunity to interview Brianna because the first time we had a conversation, I thought it was uh, a great, fascinating conversation about her career and how she ended up in the position she's in today. And I joked with her that I really wanted to, I wish I could have recorded that conversation and used it for my podcast. So as I said to Brianna, we're going to try to recreate that magic uh, in an official podcast. And I'm going to pause there and Brianna, let you unpack a little bit about what I just said around what your LinkedIn says, who you are and what you do. Awesome. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Nick, for having me as part of the Full Potential podcast. I think the first time we talked, you were just kicking it off. So I was super honored to be one of the first couple of people who you invited to, to speak with you. So thank you. Absolutely. All right. So my, you know, to unpack all of what you said as far as, you know, leader in business innovation, an advisor, educator in design, and then a thought leader. So when it comes to business innovation, the bulk of what I do or sort of where I spend, you know, probably 95% of my time, if you will, is really leading uh, Silver Consulting. So Silver Consulting sits at the intersection of market research, design, and strategy. Uh, we exist to really empower brands and organizations to rise to their full potential and really to lead, lead their organizations into the future. And more specifically, we support, uh, support these organizations to really look at how do they enhance their brands, so getting very clear about what is their value proposition, sort of their reason for being compared to competition, which, as we all know in today, uh, you know, competition landscapes, if you, or if, you, if you will, are changing underneath organizations. And so it's this constant redefinition of who you are and why you deserve to still exist. We also support organizations to really fill their innovation pipelines, looking at, you know, what is the next generation of a service or an offering, for instance, you know, developing wholly new products, or even starting to look at, you know, what are some of the culturally appropriate innovation processes that the organization can embrace. And then lastly, one of the things that we're really adept at is really aligning stakeholders around new visions for growth. So this is really kind of, you know, encapsulates how I really show up or sort of step into my full potential on a daily basis as a leader of business innovation. Now, when it comes to sort of being an advisor and educator specifically related to design, uh, that, that has a couple different facets. So I am a designer by trade, which we can get into sort of my educational background in a few minutes here. Um, but I'm a designer by trade. I have an undergraduate uh, in communication design. I have a, a, a master's of design degree in communication design and design strategy. And so I went to the IIT Institute of Design for that master's education. Today, uh, on almost the entire time since I've been away from, from you know, since, since I finished my master's degree, I have also then stepped into an adjunct faculty role connected to that same institution. And then a few years ago, uh, stepped into a board position at that institution as well. So very much ingrained in sort of where is the future of design and specifically sort of the strategic sides of design 
you know, which oftentimes people understand or come to know of as design thinking or, you know, innovation. Um, so, you know, really sort of how can we activate those aspects of problem solving to really bring them to, you know, some of the more complex and messy problems that we're dealing with today. And then when it comes to sort of being a thought leader committed to challenging the status quo, as my LinkedIn profile says, um, I think, you know, just first of all, like where I'm positioned in the industry as a whole is, is relatively unique. You don't have a lot of people who really have one foot in market research and one foot in design and really activate and leverage the strengths of both of those disciplines simultaneously. And my entire organization is structured to do just that. Um, I think the other part that of just sort of where I've shown up as challenging the status quo on a consistent basis is really in the work that we do too. We have a variety of proprietary processes that exist here at Silver, not because I kind of, you know, went into anything saying, ooh, I want to be all proprietary, <laughs> as some people do, but more because I'm committed, as is the entire team here, to say, you know, if, if a solution that we have doesn't always sort of fit ideally, you know, we don't get ticked off or sort of just accept that, but we keep asking the questions of, you know, well, why is it working and, and what can we create? It, it's, again, sort of activating, you know, that, that problem-solving nature of design and bringing it into, you know, everything that we do um, from a process perspective operationally here here at Silver, as well as then, you know, on behalf of our clients as well. So, so thank you for, for kind of diving into a little bit about your, your current background. And that's a lot of stuff for one person to do. So I can't imagine, um, the, the, a lot of commitments is kind of my point. So, you know, I think it's, it takes a lot to probably be able to run your own company, be on the board at a college, um, and then continually challenge yourself you know, around thought leadership at the same time. So I think, you know, kudos to you for, for being able to handle all those things at once. Um, that's not a small undertaking. <laughs> I want to, I want to ask, um, so when we, when we first spoke, I think what was so fascinating about your career story, and I had mentioned to you that I was a small business owner at one point as well. You've owned this consulting company for a very long time, almost right since you were out of school. And I think one of the questions I asked you last time we spoke was, how on earth did you get into this consulting company? It's such an, uh, like an early point in your career. Cause I think when most people think consulting, they think, Oh, you need to have, you know, decades of experience to really, to really do, to do, do that type of a role. Uh, if you don't mind kind of sharing with everyone, like how did silver consulting start? I think that's a really cool story. I'd be happy to. So I always say that I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Um, I love that phrase. <laughs> And, and it's true. So, you know, I, I mentioned that I had a, I have a master's degree from the IIT Institute of Design. And so I graduated from IIT and, and immediately started working for a company called Daytex Omeda. And so they made anesthesia machines and ventilators and had done so for a hundred years. And I was hired to work with a team that was really looking at how do they extend the brand equity they had as an organization, they were one and two in, the, in every market around the globe um, for anesthesia machines and ventilators. And so, but the, the, the company wanted to grow. And so it was asking like, how do we do that? And so the next, you know, sort of the next step was to define what were some other product verticals 
that Daytex could go into that would really leverage the brand equity that it had established in sort of operating rooms or ICU units up to that point in time. And so, you know, I stepped into this team. It was an amazing team. Um, you know, I just, I really excelled within it um, just in terms of the team dynamics and, and then also really the cross-functional roles that were coming into it. Um, and, and so it was just, a, it was an, an amazing experience, but it was a rather short-lived experience because essentially, um, I don't know, maybe three months or so after I started working there, uh, GE Medical uh, bought Daytex. And within a short period of time from that point, GE Medical said, you know, hey, team, there was about, I think there was about three of us full-time and then a couple part-time people. They said, you know, we don't need this role and function any longer. Um, we invite you all to take jobs uh, with being a usability specialist or basically you don't have a job. And so I was in kind of a interesting place. I mean, here I was, you know, fresh out of grad school, I knew that my strengths were really on the strategic side of design. Um, and that this experience at Daytex only confirmed that for me. And, you know, especially like 15 years ago, uh, when this offer was extended to me, usability was extremely tactical. Um, and so you're going from basically this high strategic level down to tactical level. And to me at that moment in time, it felt like I was like, I mean, I, I just felt like my entire career was siphoning off. The career that didn't even exist yet was siphoning yeah. off. <laughs> Your very young career. About that, right. <laughs> to go in that direction. Simultaneously, on a personal side, I'm, I'm originally from the East Coast. And here I'm in the Midwest. Um, I was dating a guy who now has turned into be my husband. So it actually worked out. But we were in that weird spot in our relationship where it's like, you know, do we continue? Do we not continue? Um, and he was back here in Chicago working on his PhD. And, um, and so, you know, I decided basically, okay, I'm going to take the fact that this job is not working out as a sign that it's time to get my entire life together. And so I basically moved back to Chicago. I had uh, just like coincidentally, you know, the universe working in your favor. Basically, my apartment that I had sublet to another woman while I went to work up in Madison, Wisconsin, was also leaving my apartment about the same week that I had to leave my job. <laughs> so I came back to Chicago. I had three months left on my lease, about $200 to my name. <laughs> and I said, I got to make this work. And so I did what I do best and I started talking to people and I started getting out there and I started, you know, just sharing my situation and seeing how I could bring value to other people. And within a really short period of time, I mean, I was extremely lucky, like within like two, three weeks of time, um, I was able to land my first consulting gig and I was able to land that at ABN Amarillo Style Bank, really working in their B2B side of their business. So in their transaction banking division, really helping to bring the concept of customer centricity into their new product development process. And that experience was amazing. I mean, the, the team that I worked with was fabulous. Um, you know, the people were really receptive to this idea of bringing customer centricity as an organization as a whole. They were very customer centric, just not necessarily 
uh, like consistent or cohesive with that centricity. Right. And so that's what I was helping them to, to bring into, into their new product development process. And so those relationships started. And meanwhile, like I'm still looking for full-time work and I would go and I would connect with people, uh, but it was just a weird job market at that moment in time, um, particularly for sort of this elusive side of design that nobody knew what it was. Um, you know, today you have terms like design thinking and design research and, but like design thinking as a term didn't even exist 15 years ago. Right. right. It's, it's more, it's more mainstream now. <laughs> it, right. It didn't even exist. And so, you know, so people just didn't really, they didn't sort of get what I could do if they didn't necessarily have, you know, a whole host of, you know, 15 other people like me walking around. And so, you know, I would go to these interviews, we would have really great conversation, they'd be super excited about what they were seeing in my portfolio, and, you know, pretty jazzed about the conversation. But we would look at each other very candidly at the end of these interviews and be like, this is not the right fit of a job for me, or they would say that. And it was very, you know, amicable, which in and of itself is kind of an interesting scenario, how that played I, out. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that's how it happened. And so, but what, what happened from that standpoint was because those conversations were so candid and, and I was, I, I think, you know, being so sure of what, you know, I wasn't sure in what I needed to do necessarily, but I was sure of the principles I needed to uphold for myself individually. And I think that came through in the interviews and, and people were attracted by that. And so fast forward, what ended up happening is those people that I interviewed for full-time work that it didn't work out, they started calling me and saying, hey, you know, we've got a project um, that we think you could be good for. Would you be interested in contracting with us? And so here I know, you know, like before I know it, like within the span of like, I don't know, six months, I've, you know, I've collected a couple Fortune 500 clients. <laughs> Without even really sort of trying, you know, or at least not purposely trying, if you will. Um, well, it's almost like those interviews help you discover, you know, who you were and what you wanted to do, uh, which is, I think, unique in the sense that, to your point, you and the person interviewing you both kind of knew at the same time. I think that's, that's, that's very unique. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other part, and so, you know, all of this kept happening. And then... And then finally, I think about eight months into this journey, like I found the job that sort of hit off on all the marks that I was looking for. Um, and so I went in for like the morning of interviews and it was a, it was a specific situation where they were looking to establish a, a large innovation center that they pretty much had to hire fresh for. So they were looking to make, you know, to make quick hiring decisions. Um, but I go in for, you know, the morning lineup of interviews and they all went well, but I got home and I was incredibly depressed, like in the dumps depressed. And I was just like, whoa, you know, what, what is going on here? Like I had to really, you know, step in for some personal reflection just to be like, you know, what is going on? Because like what I just experienced externally isn't matching what I'm experiencing internally. And then, you know, through some you know, just personal reflection throughout that afternoon, I came to understand that basically what I thought I had wanted for the last eight months, that target had changed. Um, and here I had found what I previously wanted 
And the idea of stepping into it again was sort of suffocating in nature. And so yeah, you, know, you, you evolved. Yeah. And I mean, like literally I had this realization and like the second the realization hit my brain, the phone rang and it was the company saying, Hey, you know, we want to extend this offer to you, but we've all been talking this afternoon. And you know, there's a little hesitation of whether it's really the right fit for you. Um, you know, just cause it seems like you're doing great on your own type of thing. Right. And and so, and I, you know, I mean, here I was, I didn't have anything in the pipeline and, and I was like, you know, I really, when I came in in this, this morning, like I intend, like I didn't, I didn't intentionally waste anybody's time. Like I came in with the intention of taking this job if it were to be, you know, offered to me, but through the process of speaking with everybody this morning, I'm realizing that this is no longer what I want. And so, you know, I thanked them and, you know, extended gratitude for the opportunity and like literally hung up the phone. And that was the moment, that was the first shift in thought um, for my business. And there's been several throughout, uh, you know, the last 15 years, but that was the first moment of shift where it was like, I am, I need to, I need to recognize, I mean, first of all, by turning down this job, I am saying I own a company. Like this is the yeah. first time I'm yes. stepping out saying I own a company. And, and, but more than that, I need to really own the fact that I have that and really stop thinking about this as freelance work. I mean, up to that point, I was really thinking about it as like, Oh, you know, my student loans are going to be due. So <laughs> like I need to make money. I need rent. You know, it was very sort of, I would say, you know, sort of like short term and thinking. Well, well, I mean, I think not to, you know, I think to be fair, you were, you were early on in your career and really in your, your life journey still. And, you know, it, you, you have a different outlook on life at that point to where you are now. So totally, yeah, totally. I think, I think it's kind of natural to you, you, you just, you, this probably made you grow up more quickly than you would have realized by, by grow by working for a regular company, if that makes sense. No, that absolutely, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think the big, that was actually sort of what was underpinning, you know, that cloud of depression that I was feeling that afternoon. Um, because, you know, when you, when you own your own company, you've got to figure it all out. I mean, everything is new, right? Um, so it's not, and I mean, here I was very new to my career in, in general. So I was still like learning my craft and then I'm learning how to write proposals. I'm learning how to do, you know, business development. I'm learning how to, you know, set up, you know, like an accounting system, like all these things that like in, in accumulation, I mean, I was expanding exponentially almost on a daily basis from right. a learning yeah. perspective. Welcome to being an entrepreneur. I mean, exactly. You, all of a sudden you're HR, accounting, finance, marketing, IT, everything. Everything, everything. And I was... I was like, I was high on that in some respects. I mean, I am kind of, I, I, I kind of joke that I'm a, you know, a, like a self-helper, like a, a self-help junkie, you know, kind of thing in the sense that I'm always looking at how to, how to push myself to the next level. And obviously like what that looks like changes depending upon where I am, you know, in my life at any given point in time. But at that point, I mean, it was just like, all of this stuff and the diversity of it was just really feeding that exponential growth that I, I, I just crave as an individual. So I want to, so thank you for going through that. Cause I think it's a really cool story. And, 
it's I think it's very unique and and how kind of how how it all occurred. Did you have entrepreneurs in your life growing up, either a parent or a relative or a family friend, that you think were almost a, a role model, but you didn't realize it while growing up, that led you down this path, or was this a complete shift from everything you knew uh, in your world growing up? And no, it was not a complete shift from everything in, in my world growing up, but it's not something I had put voice to. So my parents were entrepreneurs and specifically when my father was first starting his career, he was, you know, in his early twenties and he decided that he wanted to own an auto parts store and a mechanic shop. And so he, he stepped into that at a very early age um, and basically started to build that. And then, you know, once it got to a certain size, my mom, my mom joined him as a partner in that business and so the early days of my life were very much, you know, ingrained in the store, you know, like I remember, you know, my mom picking me up to at, you know, six o'clock at night from the babysitter, my sister and I taking us to the store, you know, oftentimes we'd be, you know, we'd all go out and have dinner as a family and then they would come back to the store to finish up whatever they were going to do. And while my sister and I kept each other busy and then we would go home and on Sunday we'd go to church and we'd come by the store to check on things. Right. So like the store had a real impact. And then when I was in, um, not sure exactly the age, but, um, you know, maybe in, you know, late grade school, uh, timeframe, uh, my parents sold the store. Um, but my father himself is a very self-made man. Like, you know, from that point, he decided he was going to be, you know, become a draftsman and then he became a salesman and then he became an insurance man. And like, and so he just kind of has done so many different things, but he's just like basically said, oh, I'm going to go do this. And then he goes and does it. Um, and so all of that was sort of happening in my life without me necessarily putting voice to any of that. Right. Like I, like I never, and actually it probably, if I, my father has since told me, uh, my mother passed away a few years ago and my father told me after afterwards, he's like the day that you called and said that you were going to start a business. He's like your mother. And I hung up the phone and she turned to me and she said, no, she cannot do uh. that. <laughs> and my father said, well, Julie, you've got to just let her do it. He, she's like, I don't want her to have that life, Alan. She has to worry about, you know, all the bills and the payroll and the this or that. And she's like, you know how stressful and hard that is. It you, is. You know, right. she's like, I don't want her to have that. By going down this career path, she wasn't supposed to have any of that. And then here, you know, I follow right into it. And um, she's just looking out for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and she was a huge supporter um, of, you know, basically what I've created. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that backstory, um, <laughs> which was kind of funny. So, so all of that was happening, you know, growing up. Um, but like I said, not putting voice to it necessarily. And then I think another big pivotal person for me in terms of, you know, what could be, you know, so, so by having, you know, parents who sort of were self-made and, you know, doing this on their own, I can't say that there was ever commentary in my household around, you can't do that. You know, like, it was just like, my mom would always joke. She's like, I never know what Brianna's going to come home and say she's going to do next. 
Um, but she, but she was very supportive of everything. So there wasn't that sort of talk channel of you can't do it. And then when I started working at Daytex, Omeda, my boss there is also, was also a very self-made man. His name is Russ Ward. And, and so he kind of grew into that position. You know, he's, he's taken a variety of different pathways to find himself to design and sort of the, you know, the practice of design thinking and healthcare. And, and so, you know, when, you know, basically everything was coming down and our, and our department was, was being dissolved. And I came in and said, oh, hey, you know, I, I've got a, an opportunity to go and bring customer centricity into the new product development process of Avian Amarillo Sal Bank. He's like, that's awesome. <laughs> He's like, you should totally go do this. You're going to be excellent at this, Brianna, right? But here, like, I mean, I was 23 years old doing this. No, and- I, I know. And that was, I think, what fascinated me when we had our first discussion was how young you were when you started all this. But it seems like you, you whether you knew it or not, you've been a- enabled by a lot of people in your life to be successful. And it might not have just, it might not have all come together until you had that epiphany where you're like, oh, I'm a small business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. And this is my, this is now my full-time job. And it's, you know, all of a sudden you kind of awoke. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. No. So I, th- I think that's, again, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's uh, I think it's very unique, the whole story. So uh, just a couple more questions and I appreciate you again, you, you making the time for us tonight. That's my pleasure. So, Biggest accomplishment in your professional career would be what? You know, the biggest accomplishment in my professional career is actually probably the creation of this company. Um, and and you mean you mean the actual turning down a full time, you know, what you would call a normal, you know, corporate job to start your own business? Well, actually, I would call it no because that that positions it as it's a point in time. Okay. Um, and I would, I would say probably the biggest accomplishment in my career is the journey of going through this process. Um, and that's a journey that keeps changing. Um, it's that's, a a good dis- that's a good distinction. Yeah. So it's a journey that keeps changing and there's lots of things that change it. So sometimes it can be external factors like, you know, a changing market landscape, which there are, you know, many uh, in both market research and, and the design field uh, in the last few years. And then also it's, it's about, you know, how I'm evolving and growing, you know, from, you know, something like, you know, becoming a mom and a business owner and a wife and trying to manage all of those roles to not easy. No, not easy at all. And then, you know, in the last few years, like, you know, I've been on sort of more of a spiritual journey and, and then looking at, you know, how, how does my business really, you know, help and aid that spiritual journey in a, in a, in a purposeful way. Right. So, so I would say it's the journey and, and sort of navigating the ebbs and flows of that, which, you know, owning your own business is not, you know, all roses. (laughs) Um, But there, there are, you know, it's, it's, it's the moments of, of, you know, where things don't work and you problem solve your way out of it and you find the next path forward. And then, you know, that brings you to another whole layer and level of growth um, and having your, your mind expanded 
to then be able to say, wow, like I didn't know that I could serve people and support them in this way, but that feeds me and it, and it enriches them. And so like finding those, you know, continuing that journey uh, and, and basically the, the continual discovery of how through up-leveling myself and, you know, our team and the collective here, we can continue to up-level the people that we support. No, I, I think that's well said. And, and I completely agree when I own my own business, uh, to your point, it was exhausting, but I learned an immense amount. I think it made me a better person. So la- last question, uh, and, uh, you know, I think this is really, I really would love to hear what you're going to say is, so what advice can you provide, you know, any, any of the listeners uh, to help people reach their full potential? So not necessarily companies, but I really like you to give advice to the individuals listening uh, that for, for them specifically to help maybe further their careers. Yeah. So I actually have three, if that's okay. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so I have three. So the very first one, and I, I, I find this for myself, I mean, all the time, maybe even daily in some respects is, and so the, you know, sort of what I would say is the quote here is the only person standing in your way is you. And so, you know, what I mean by that is I think, you know, we all have sort of these limits that we put on ourselves, you know, and some people put a lot of limits, some people put fewer limits, but regardless you know, we all have limits that we put on ourselves. And, and more times than not, I have found that when I'm feeling stuck, I'm feeling stuck because of a stuff that I'm unwilling to take or something I'm unwilling to look at. And so it's kind of requiring that daily pep talk to say, you know, no, just, you know, make that reach out to this person or, you know, call that person or take a step in this way or that way, you know? Um, and now obviously, you know, I've said that before and people are like, Oh, well, there's all these socioeconomic conditions that really keep people back and not to discount that those things exist. However, even within those establishments, it is the individual themselves, I think, who, who is also not sort of owning up to the best that they can do to advance themselves forward. So that's what I mean in the context of that. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, All right. So then the second is that I would say, you know, for people to not be afraid to really truly step up and into their purpose. So, you know, I do believe that we've all been brought to this earth to, to do something unique. And we all have a purpose for being here. And it's up to us. We have to take the personal responsibility to define what that purpose is and, and to really, you know, step into that and, and to be intentional about how we're stepping into that. So for instance, like, you know, my life purpose is really to support other people to rise up to the best version of themselves. And so obviously in the bulk of the work that I do on a daily basis, I'm helping organizations to step up into that. But then like when I'm, you know, teaching in front of, you know, students at the design college, that's about individuals. I also do some small business coaching on the side, and that's about supporting other entrepreneurs to really step up into their full potential. And so by getting clear, getting clear and very focused around that purpose you're really able to drive 
to really drive your best self and really show up as you're meant to be. And then I would say kind of connected to that is to not be afraid to be vulnerable. I think it's really important um, to be visible and to be vulnerable um, because you become infectious when you start to share. And, you know, there's, you know, and, and, you know, Brene Brown has done a ton of work around, you know, vulnerability and sort of shame factors. And, you know, and I think, you know, I, again, sort of coming back to that first point of, you know, only it's you that stands in your way is, you know, I oftentimes when I, when I think to myself, well, I'm not going to share that because what will somebody think about me? Or maybe they really won't appreciate that or, or they'll think, they'll think differently you know, but then when I get over that hump of fear and I share it, you know, almost 100% of the time, the reaction is positive. And so I, again, was, all, I was the only one standing in my own way. And yet when I actually made that share, I, I, that created a cascade of connection and, you know, and really inspiring other people to step up again to be their best selves. So so those would be the three points. They're, they're relatively connected, but I think in and of themselves, they're sort of the core philosophy by which I, I live. No, I think, so thank you. I think those are fantastic. And I'd have to say, I, I like all of them, but I really like the, the vulnerability piece uh, because it, personally, I think, I think uh, I'm good at that, which I think is a strange thing to say, but I, 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 I've always been told I'm good at showing my vulnerabilities, especially in group settings, which I think to your point, I think it opens up amazing dialogues and conversations. And if someone like you and I can be vulnerable, think about what that, how that enables other people who might be less outgoing or less extroverted, how, how it makes them feel. So um, I think that, I think that was an awesome one. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. So, again, just thank you so much for making the time. I know you're, you're clearly a very, very busy woman um, with, with everything you have going on, but, I think you have a fantastic career story and I wanted to be able to share that with everyone. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully you can maybe check back in uh, maybe next year, see how things are going and, and hear some more uh, Brianna stories. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Nick. And I hope, uh, I hope this definitely inspires your listeners to step into their full potential. Thank you for listening to the full potential podcast brought to you by Nick Wagner, senior. If you would like to connect via social media, you can find me on both Twitter and LinkedIn.